Dystopia Tonight. Good evening, John. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Real busy weekend. We had a great group of shows last week. We have a monster yes. week this week with so many incredibly talented people. Oh, my God. I know. And then, today alone. Yeah, today alone we have a couple great ones. And if you want to see any of the past ones, make sure you check us out on YouTube at Dystopia Tonight with John Poveromo. You want to see all of those. I think we got, we're got we over 190 up on YouTube, right? Oh, my right? God, yeah. Actually, and we're we got, uh, 200th episodes coming up. Hey, the big 200 about to hit. Very nice. Or if you just want to listen to them, you can listen to them on Apple, Spotify, anywhere where you listen to that podcast. Make sure you drop the, a review and uh, let us know who you want us to talk to. But yeah, I don't want to waste too much time today because we have so many incredible guests to get in today. Yes. We have a great comedian. We have incredible mu musical artists, including the yeah. gentleman we have with us. Absolutely. Yeah, we have we have Rita Rudner coming on tonight, by the way, if, uh, just to let everybody know. She's amazing. She's going to be yeah. awesome. Um, but we have a great guest on, like you said. He's got a new documentary coming out. He's got another album that he's uh, uh, that he's got coming out as well that's actually going towards the documentary that he's got coming out. Uh, narrated by Cameron Crowe. A couple of interesting things about Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe was... Uh, his first interview was with Richie Furey, so who we also have on the wow. show uh, from Buffalo Springfield. So let's not waste any time. Let's bring out Richie Furey, guys. Hey, hey, guys. <laughs> What's good going on, man? <laughs> Everything's good out here. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tom and I have just been chit-chatting away, man, so nice <laughs> to have you join us, John. <laughs> just so everybody knows, I was a little late today and had some also technical difficulties, so I'm just I'm just a real piece of shit. That's, <laughs> that's what Richie's trying to say politely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the interpretations, I'm not sure how to handle them. <laughs> They're just coming on high. They're just going to be a scroll across the screen. Fuck John Poveromo. <laughs> <laughs> um that's great dude is that that is true though that was cameron crow's first interview was with you right yeah it was back when he was what, 15 years old i don't know how old i was at the time <laughs> much older, but but yeah that that's how the story goes there's a picture uh in rolling stone you know of us uh just kind of hanging out talking but and and i had not heard from Cameron for years after, you know, basically he got into the movies and all of this. And yeah. all of a sudden somebody shows up on my social media page and it says Cameron Crow. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. This, this can't be. So I went behind the scenes and kind of messaged, you know, the person. And, and I said, Hey, Cameron, <laughs> I don't know if this is really you or not, but uh, if it's you, I've got a concert coming up with my good friend, Timothy B. Schmidt in, uh, in, in December. And I'd sure love to have you come. He wrote right back and said, it's me and I'll be there. And sure enough, it was. And we hooked up after 40 years, man. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, and what a great guy. And, and you know, for as busy as he is and all of the things that he's into, I mean, to have him, you know, actually he narrated the trailer for the uh, documentary that's coming right. up. And right now he's, uh, he did a um, an interview uh, with Stephen, uh, St uh, Stephen Stills and myself that uh, Neil – uh, he couldn't make it for one reason or another, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, so we're planning <laughs> on doing that now in, in December, getting together at Steven's house where, where Neil will be there with Karen, uh. but he's, he's just given himself man to the project, which is, um, gosh, man, I couldn't even, I couldn't have asked for anything more, man. He is such a, I mean, when we got together it was like, man, we'd 
it was just like we were doing the interview years ago. It was just wow. like we knew each other and everything. It's a very cool guy. I don't know if you've ever met him, but very cool. No, never had the pleasure of meeting him. Love Almost Famous. I love the history behind all of that stuff. And it's yeah. just kind of, uh, it, I mean, it, his trajectory is just super interesting, too, because it seems like, uh, you know, if you didn't know that about him, you'd still think he was a cool guy. And then now knowing all that kind of stuff and like how much he nerded out, like in the early days of like <laughs> getting to talk to you guys. It's it's awesome. You're like, oh, my God, this guy could be any of us. It's great. Yeah, he, he I mean, you know what? When it boils right down to it, man, we put our pants on the same way, you know, and, yep. and all yeah. that. But he is he is really just just an absolute great guy, man. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say anything if it was any different than that, but I feel like I can like say, Hey, yeah, man, it's really cool. And I'm really thankful that he, uh, he's given himself to the project. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome, dude. And it's nice that you can call on somebody like that years later and they're still like, absolutely. I will be there. That's a testament to who you are as a person too. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I, I yeah, <laughs> that's kind of cool. <laughs> do you, do you remember, I mean, ever had to have like a 15 year old kid say he, they want to interview you for like a thing did you at the time like what 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 was were you like yeah okay uh i never, I never thought about it like that you know i never thought well this could be ben fong tories you know what's this camera guy you know and, uh, i mean but, but here's the deal man everybody i think back in the day was petrified of ben fong tories right know? right it was the guy mm -hmm. and here okay okay we'll settle for this kid coming up you know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could swing the story in a different way. Maybe we can really get it. That's cool. Was there, is it is it weird when you see stuff like that? Like it, like even if you see like uh, like maybe when Almost Famous came out or anything like that. That's kind of that kind of dates back to the time where you know you were starting out and you knew all these guys. And are you are, do you kind of just enjoy seeing yourself reflected in maybe uh, a characterization or a band or or an era? Or are you like, ooh, I don't want to I don't want to relive it through someone else's eyes. You know, sometimes it's just weird to think, man, this this is actually, yeah, we went through this. We were a part of this. We, you know, it's like sometimes it's just like it's, it was another world because my life is, you know, it's going through so many different changes. But I mean, yeah. even going to uh, the Country Music um, Hall of Fame and Museum just a couple of weeks ago where they opened up a display of uh, of the country rock genre of music that we you know several groups started in la it's like looking back on that man who thought we would be in nashville being <laughs> honored with this display? all we were trying to do was put food on the table at the time right. you know and yeah you know, when you look back on some of these things and look at the journey it's been it, it's, it's been crazy it's been amazing and 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 you reflect and yeah when i see some of these things it's like wow yeah but i have to float back there for a minute sure <laughs> Yeah, you guys, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's not like a thing that you're thinking about in the days when you're traveling and trying to make money and trying to earn a living that you might someday be anointed by <laughs> all of the music industry as the, you know, as like revelatory. Yeah, it it, it, it it was amazing. And, you know, when we started that genre of music back in the late 60s, along with the birds, you know, you can't. Mm -hmm. You can't uh, deny that and, and the burrito brothers and all that. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was something that we would just do men music that was feeling good to us. This is, this is where, you know, some of our roots came from. Yep. I mean, the Springfield had so many, we had so many different roots. I mean, it, when you really look at it, we came out of folk music, but sure. there was so, I mean, when you listen to the genre of music that we put out, I mean, it was like everybody was eclectic, you know, as we're throwing stuff together and, right. and then yeah. to start this other genre, of music that really became 
probably one of the most popular American, maybe even worldwide sounds, you know, ever. It's sure. like, wow, that's pretty cool. You, Somebody you, had to pioneer it though. And here we were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you still pay it? Like, uh, are you still, um, you know, connected or curious maybe about like, do you, like, do you see a difference in the folk music today as opposed to when you guys kind of pioneered it, started it? Do you pay attention to it anymore or do you kind of just focus on your own stuff? Well, I pretty much just focus on my own stuff. I just was telling Nancy, my wife, as we were just driving down in the car the other day, so I don't know where we were going, but you know, we don't even listen to music much. I mean, you know, it's just, we, 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 we it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. and, and I never have, like I was doing, <laughs> I was doing this interview while we were out at the, at the, uh, um, Country Music Hall of Fame a couple weeks ago, and I did a thing on a Dwight uh, Dwight Yoakam show. So I'm like, well, what favorite song of Dwight's would you like? And it's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man, I know some. I know some now. There's no doubt about it. I know sure. some. <laughs> I felt embarrassed at the time, you know, being on the show and right. just met the other. Okay, well, what's your favorite song? Well, you know what? <laughs> right. And well, you're what, so genuine. I feel like you didn't say all of them. I can't yeah. pick a favorite. I think you were oh, like, man, I, Tom, if I would have had that one, I would have said it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would have said, well, can you narrow that down? Yes. <laughs> all of his early stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the one with the consonants in the title? Um, <laughs> like, are we going to. That's a good one. What um, what do you think of like you know when? Because I, I know a lot of people who are influenced by you. Do you do you find that like does that make you want to listen to what their what their stuff is? Or are you like, oh my god, if they're bad and they're influenced by me, I don't want to know them. Or <laughs> like, if I hear that somebody you know was influenced by what we did, and there and there there have been a lot, you know, mm -hmm. I'll listen. And you know what? If I see well, I don't. If it's something that just doesn't relate or something that that you know doesn't connect, I just say, well, I don't know where they got that from us. But uh, <laughs> you know, some some people will send me some song. I wrote this song, and 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 you were the influence, and and I just thought that you know it sounds like you, and I'll take a listen to it and say, hmm, really, right, right, yeah, oh, all right, I guess so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's crazy, and for you know, um. Uh, for what it's worth um, is uh, is one of those songs that I think, you know, as a kid, I just, you just hear in the background and stuff, but then it gets intertwined with pop culture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I remember um, I was, you know, when I was a kid, I was a huge fan of the Muppets. I'm still a huge fan of the Muppets, but Jim Henson and those guys, you know, they had their, you know, they had, they, they, they played that song. They had the Muppets sing that song on their show. And is that, was that kind of stuff like surreal to you at the time? Or were you guys just like, that makes total sense to me. That's fine. You know, the song went right over my head. <laughs> I, I mean, it really did. And here's, here's the reason why it's like, I, I came, I came from New York to Los Angeles to start a band with Steven and, and our band was a rock and roll band. Right. When, okay. when, when, I don't know if you know the, the I got a little backstory on for what it's worth. I, I don't know if you've heard or not, but yeah. you know, the first album didn't really, um, it, it wasn't making the noise that Ahmet Erdogan, president of, of Atlantic, you know, thought that it was going to have. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came out to Los Angeles to hear some songs for, for another album. And Neil played some songs. I didn't have any songs on the first album, but I played a couple songs, you know, Sad Memory and Child's Claim to Fame mm -hmm. for, for the second album. And Stephen played some songs and we're packing up our guitars. And Stephen said, oh, wait, I have another one for what it's worth. And that was wow. it. Oh, and my God. Was, but you know what? It was like a folk song. 
yeah. to me, it was a folk song, and I'm into Bluebird and Rock and Roll Woman and Mr. Soul, and we're on stage, man, rocking at the Whiskey A Go Go, and, mm-hmm. and yeah. man, it just bing. That's it wasn't necessarily the lyrics that went over my head. It was just this little little. It, it, it seemed like a little folk ditty, and goodness sakes, man! I mean, who would have thought that? Well, Ahmed heard it because he yeah. said, "It, man, we got to record that right now." And so wow, we went yeah. into the studio and recorded it, and put it, and they put it on the first album, and obviously that, you know, uh, history. But <laughs> yeah, history was made. It's what? crazy that he would have that type of an ear. To oh be my like, gosh, there he it is. had a great ear. I mean, he. And, but I'm surprised at the first record. I really feel they made a mistake by releasing nowadays Clancy can't even sing. They should have released as the first single off of that record. And I think it would have made the biggest difference in the world. Do I have to come right out and say it? It was a song that was, it was a love song. It was accessible. Clancy. I mean, you had to think about what's this guy writing about. Um, it, It had, you know, signature time signature changes in the music. It was just a little eccentric and man, do I have to come right out and say it was just straight ahead. And I think if we, if they would have released that record, you know, first, um, which was another song of Neil's, I, I think, you know, History of Buffalo Springfield, which was only together for two years, because nine, wow. nine, there were nine people in and out of the band in two years. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you guys had a lot wow. of uh, quick turnover there. Uh, <laughs> um, how much control? I mean, so is there, you know, is there a point where you know that you're, you're, you don't have control over what you'd like to see happen? Because like you just said, you wanted the other song to come for, you know, to, to be uh, um, showcased a little bit more. But are you good at letting that stuff like that go for the sake of the band, for the sake of the, you know, um, progressing and moving forward? Or are you still like, man, like, I really wish I had more say? Well, at, at that particular time, I, I tell you the truth, I really didn't think about it. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I didn't. I, I think later on, yeah, you know, I, you, you would think about things like that and the control that we do have. I think as you get further and deeper into the business side of mm-hmm. things and yeah. seeing how that works, then you want more control and and all. But back then, I mean, good golly, man, we were just young kids again, man, just <laughs> whew, having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember a point in time where you were doing your stuff and you were with everybody and even if you were going out on your own or whatever, where you felt comfortable enough to be like, I'm, I made it. I don't have to do anything. Uh, you know, I'm part of this community and I've established myself. You know, I think in Los Angeles, we had this jaded feeling. Yeah, the, man, we were, we were happening. I mean, we, when we started at the Whiskey Go Go Buffalo Springfield, nobody, there was nobody. Mm-hmm, and by yeah. the time our six week, we did six weeks there. Of course, we were with Love. We were with The Doors. Right. We were with other yeah. bands, you know, and you know. But at, at, at the end of the six weeks that we were like the house band at the Whiskey, they were wrapped around the corner, man. And we thought, yeah, man, we're on our way now, you know, and it's going to be cool. By the time I'm 40, I'm done. Well, here I am. <laughs> Here I am. Here I am. Almost forty years later, man. I'm, I'm still trying to get. Some, I'm still getting the trying to get my claws in something. Oh God! What What was the impetus? What was the final moment where you were thinking, like, you know, I want to do this documentary? Was it just nostalgia, maybe, for yourself, or were you were you having a moment where you started to relive most of your career, and and you're just like, this needs to be documented? Because I always wonder what the steps are to that. It wasn't my idea. 
Oh, if it wasn't for David Stone, I would have never, I would have never done it. I would have never, never done probably the record that I see down here on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Return to the Troubadour. That was David's idea. Uh, But David Stone and his partner Denny Klein uh, just—they just thought that you know, hey, this is a story that's worth telling. It's different than a lot of rock and roll you know, Hall of Fame people and, and this and that and the other stories that could be told. And so, I mean, I think the unfortunate thing is that we've been working on it, you know, for so long because everybody had to take a hiatus, you know, when COVID hit. Yeah. And, you know, but, um, you know, so I, 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 you know, I, to think of my, you know, if this is not the story of Neil Young or the story of Stephen Stills or who. Right. It's, it's like I'm just like I was telling Tom, I'm just the guy in the middle. But David, yeah. <laughs> found, David found the story, you know, to be interesting and at least worthy of trying to put a documentary together. We've gotten some great interviews, you know. I mean, I was telling Tom, we uh, Stephen and Neil and I are the last ones to get together, and usually that's what wow. that's what it boils down to. And we've, we've <laughs> The, the third time will be coming up in December. Uh, the first time we tried to get together, um, the Ukraine war broke out. Oh, <laughs> and one of the guys said, "Nope, I clear my calendar. I can't think about doing anything." So Cameron oh. Crow and one of the other guys and me, <laughs> Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That it was perfect though because Stephen and I had a relationship before Neil was involved. Okay. Okay. And I mean, we were folk music. So we got to actually talk about with Cameron our relationship more than just the three of us. Right. And the next time that we tried to get together, um, you know, Stephen uh, came down with the big C and we couldn't get together for that. And so now we're going to try and get together here in, in December. We're all all three of us, along with Cameron, get together at Stephen's house again. So I cannot wait to yeah. see which plague the three of you bring upon the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's like cosmic. You yeah, exactly. I cannot. <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern here, man. It's like forming the infinity gauntlet. Yeah. It, it won't be unique, I'll tell you. This happened once before. <laughs> as long as another song comes out of it, maybe, yeah. who knows? Maybe. That's you know crazy. what? We'll have we have fun when we did our reunion several years ago. I mean, I mean, for as long as we were doing it, we really did have fun. The first mm-hmm. time we tried it back in the eighties, it was a train wreck. You know, it, <laughs> it, it didn't happen. But when we got together, uh, just about what? Well, gosh, you know, man, time flies so fast. I think it was ten years ago now. I wow. can't believe it was ten years ago. Wow. But we really had we really had fun. And so when Stephen and and you and I get together, I mean, it is fun. You know, I mean, we have different viewpoints and outlooks on different things in life, you know, but you know what? That does not ever enter in to the craziness that so many people get wrapped up in. And we are friends. We made we we poured our lives into making music together years ago, you know, and it wasn't as successful as, you know, some of the bands, you know, when Neil went on and Stephen went on. But you know what? It was something we when you're pouring your creativity into something, man, really, uh, it gets it, you're putting your heart and soul into it, your life. and Exactly. And that's one of those things, though, like it, it doesn't I don't ever think it matters how long something lasts because the impact of what you guys did lasted far. Like it, it doesn't really you know what I mean? Yeah. The impact lasted far longer. There's songs. Yeah, th- there's songs. I know there's people that I have on the show that like I know had maybe one hit. You know what yeah. I mean? Or whatever it is. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> I know everybody else, I'm like the one hit wonders, but, but but it doesn't matter because, you know, you may not know their other work, but they're still artists. And that one right. thing left such a cultural 
uh, you know, impression yeah. on everybody. I mean, you have to acknowledge it. It's it's yeah. too good. Not that you guys had a one, but I'm saying like, you know, you had. No, we were one hit wonder. <laughs> no, I'm. <laughs> but you had. Yes, I, wasn't, I was trying to beat around that. Uh, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. But it was still like you guys are creatives. You know what I mean. And yeah. it's a, it's an it's a left a huge impression. I love that like you guys have just as much trouble getting together as like everybody else in the country now too. Like, like we're like it's kind of comforting in a way because like now I don't feel so bad about not seeing my friends for no reason, and we're not half as talented. So it's Even like an age, man. I mean, it's like I try I've tried to retire over the last couple of years, you know, and I'm busier now than I have been when I was a kid. You think that's a result yeah. of everybody? Because I feel like I've seen that a lot lately. You know, we got we got trapped inside for three or two, two, three years, basically, or whatever it was. Uh, and uh, and now coming out of that kind of stuff, there seems to be just a resurgence of, you know, like, um, God, man, I just bands, music, comedian, like everybody like all the all the other acts that maybe we're not touring as much are now like fuck it I want out I want to tour I want to be with my friends and you know the thing is I think everything got I mean everybody was moving ahead straight ahead you know when I did this record with my friend Val Gray in the country we recorded that in 2019 in November of 2019 wow and okay. then bam we hit a wall and that wall was the big C and that big C put everything back. And so it just stopped everything cold. Yeah. And now yeah. when everything gets on the other side of that, then, you know, okay, the records released, the, the, this is happening, that's happening. And all these things that should have been happening maybe three years ago are, are trying to happen now. And, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, at a guy 78 years old, you know, I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> you look great, right? You yeah. look great. You got great energy. Can you know. <laughs> <laughs> see how I get up in the morning, though. <laughs> we're all making noises. There's no, <laughs> it's like we're not. I'm obviously not 78, but like my friends and I were just talking. I'm, I'm going to be 38 in November, and my oh, friends man, and I were, I, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. But my friends and I were like, we, we're like sharing. I mean, this is must what happened to everybody, obviously. It's probably not unique, but we're literally checking in with each other, like. Guy, my knee hurts for no reason. I didn't do anything. Like, we're like, is this happening to you too? Or like, what's going on? I don't even like admitting it, but it, it is a thing yep. and it's annoying. Yeah, well, you know, both hips replaced, half a knee replaced, the shoulder. Wow. You know, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to say, man up, John. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm looking forward. Listen, if I could get some replacements, I would do it. I would absolutely do it. I'd be, I'd be half robot. That'd be great. <laughs> and oh, stop man. you as you go through the airport, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're like what do you have on you sir i have me it's all me, I have me, on it's me. All yeah. me. <laughs> oh man are you still do you still enjoy traveling and going out and stuff like that or do you feel you know i like getting to the place i i, I mean i like being at the place i don't like getting to the place gotcha yeah <laughs> you know, i understand the that. airport the airport is not fun but right. i have to admit man when i get there and, and if i'm doing a concert or like when we were uh at the uh, uh country music hall of fame the other uh, last couple weeks ago for the uh, opening of that display it was mm. it was awesome while you're there but it was just it's just getting there that's the sure. part i just don't enjoy getting there anymore it's not fun do you get yeah. to meet people like when you go to the Country Music Hall of Fame? I mean, are you uh, the type of person that wants to roam the halls and like go through all that kind of stuff like and see people maybe that you admired when you were, you know, coming up? 
that was one of the cool things about being there and doing that. Yeah, man, there was Rodney Dillard, man. And then I'm talking to Herb uh, Peterson, you know, I mean, I haven't seen Herb for a while. Of course, Chris Hillman and I are, you know, we're friends and we talk and we see each other. Sure. But, you know, yeah, just seeing some of these people that you, you know, haven't seen for a while or you just get together and talk. My friend Al Perkins, you know, and Dan oh, Dedmore, nice. guys like that, man. I mean, I just, it's always just good to connect with those guys and, um, some of them you've, you've seen more or, or, you know, been involved in some of the stuff. Cause I mean, like Dan, he's been on every record that I played since 1997. And, uh, wow. so I'll see him out there in California or in, uh, in Nashville, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I, am I'm, I'm, I'm a people person to the point, you know, where I love to just, Hey man, how you doing today? Good to see you. Haven't seen you for a while. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I'll tell you because to people on the outside in our heads, you guys are always in constant contact. <laughs> like, like every every musician from that decade knows every musician from that decade. Like that's it. And you, and you, you all guys, have a group chat. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> we have a chat room that we get into. We just kind of have a like go of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least they've left me out. I don't know what to say. <laughs> We'll get you. You know, sometimes it just doesn't connect. It depends. You have an iPhone that would that would probably help. Yeah, it's your booby. Oh, there you go. I'm just glad you don't have a flip phone. That was nice to see. Oh my! Um, have you seen that new flip phone? That I don't know who's got it coming out now. I know. Maybe. I have. It's really Crazy. cool, actually. Everything had to go small. And yep. now it's getting all bigger again. You know, it's like, I know. Oh, gosh, man, how do you keep up? We're going to be walking yeah. around with those bricks from the 80s again <laughs> pretty soon. And like, I said I'd never have one of those, man. Oh, God. <laughs> I fought it. The first time I was uh, I, I was told I had to get a cell phone was when I could drive. And my parents were like, we need to get you a cell phone. I was like, I don't want fucking people knowing where I am 24-7. And now I can't leave. I Like, if I don't have it, I lose my mind. It's weird. I don't like it. Well, that's our leash, man. That's our we're connected through these yeah. stupid things now, man. Yeah. If, you, if you if you don't have it and if you left it someplace, it's crazy. Oh yeah, it's uh, absolutely. I like mean, you can't even figure out where to go to get back. You got to have Siri to tell you how to get there. <laughs> oh my that's god, you're not crazy, kidding, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I think that all the time. Remember when we were kids? Like, and our dads would just have a map, and we'd yeah. go in the car, and there'd be a map. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cartography is a lost art. Yeah, I thought my grandfather was like a wizard because he could read a map, and I was like, he must know where everything is. He could, he's like Magellan, and now I'm like, he knows where the sun rises and sets. Put it on the top of the car. I'm like, now if we if if we lose our cell phone connection, it's like, oh, we're just gonna drive till it goes back in service. Yeah, it's like nuts. It's crazy. And now I have Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice telling me where the cops are on my little Waze device. I'm like, thanks, Arnie. I appreciate your assistance. <laughs> Can't even find them anymore, man. I mean, how can Arnold? How's Arnold know where they are, man? Where are they? <laughs> oh my God! How how is? It, do you appreciate? Like, are are you finding new ways to create and do that kind of stuff as it goes on? Like, do you find yourself uh, maybe changing your process a little bit as the years have gone on? Well, yeah, number one, I've never been what they call a technical guy. Okay. Well, so, you know, I like if I if I got an idea, I put it on the phone. <laughs> but I have a good friend that's like that. But the process for me is basically the same as it was, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. I right. just sit down with a guitar and if I get, oh man, I got an idea here and I think this works and want to put it down so that, I, you know, if you put it down, uh, you, you always are going to remember it. But if it's like a day or two between and you can't remember, well, well that must not have been any good anyway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
but I still oh, write. You know, it's still a process. It's still a creative process for me. Not that it. I mean, not mm. that it means anything to anybody else, but it's something that means something to me. And it's yeah. a, it, it's a, it's a release. And it's a, a some. You know, I get a chance to, you know, write a song, do it, and perform it. If I go out and do my live shows, you know, I can even put a new show, a new song in here or there. And so, nice. yeah, the, process, the process is the same for me. I mean, it's pretty pretty uh rote you know i just pick up a guitar and play and that's it nice and as long as it's still exciting to you who cares i mean you yeah, know if, if yeah. you're still getting a buzz out of it i i do wish that i'd put more time into maybe being more technically minded with the computer stuff you know it just drives me nuts i can't ah where do you plug this thing into this and that and, right and i can't i'm not good at that yeah but who knows man it may have take i i mean you know it could take away from your natural creativity you know what i mean if you got to focus on that other stuff it, you probably lean more towards just the writing and all that other things because that's where your talent was at yeah that's where it was at <laughs> exactly there there you go do you, do you have favorite the, place oh go ahead oh no i was gonna ask do you prefer a bigger crowd or like a more intimate crowd when you're you know I, I i have to say i mean i really do like the more intimate crowd um you know we played some places around here that you know i mean but they're between you know three and five hundred people you know that's intimate compared to you know some of the places that that you know i could play or whatever but I've do you see played. what i've really never a... played those places before but uh <laughs> when tom said intimate he was talking about like 12 people i was like 40 50 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. it's well, 500 or better yeah, yeah, yeah. you know when we were at the uh i go i keep going back because it's fresh in my mind and anything past that you know i mean who knows what i can remember but uh you know when we were at the country music hall of fame museum i had an opportunity to sit down with just my daughter and we did a songwriter session and uh it was just the two of us nice. and it was really cool and there was probably about i don't know maybe two three hundred people in this little auditorium i mean little auditorium i mean there's let's say there was a couple hundred people there but yeah. it was intimate enough that we could just sit there play a song and we could talk about it and people could ask questions and you could go back and forth just kind of like we are right now you know about the song where that song come from you know or who mm -hmm. did you are <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I do like the intimate crowd. Um, I, I won't deny that it, I mean, a big, let me tell you, a big crowd to me. I mean, it was a, right down here in Boulder. I played a little club a while back. And, and this place, when, when we played there three or four years ago, I mean, it was it was a small place. Mm -hmm. And now it's a it's a relatively big place. I think the capacity was 500 people, you know, and it's like club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, man, is anybody going to come out? And the place was packed. Wow. And I couldn't even believe it, you know, and, and but it, it too was just my daughter, myself and my and my buddy guitar player. You know, we didn't have a whole band. We just and it's I like the intimate crowd, you know, and just yeah. it's, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have like are, when you were younger, did you have an interest in music right from the get go? Do you have anybody in your family who was also musically inclined that kind of pushed you towards it or was it all you? Nobody that really played anything, you know. I mean, the closest thing that anybody played was my dad played the radio a lot, and I think <laughs> I, mean, I, I I listened to it and uh, and I listened to the radio, and that's where music came along. But no one else in my family, you know. I mean, I, my my sister, she wasn't really involved in in music. She's very creative. She's like more of an artist, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, nothing musically. Um, but I tell you what, it was seeing Ricky Nelson on the Ozzy and Harriet show, man. I couldn't wait till the nice. end of that show, man, when that guy would come on with that guitar, man. And the intimacy of the one time in the bedroom when he's singing Bebop Baby over the crib. And mm -hmm. then, man, the last verse, man, he's at the high school gym auditorium with James Burton and Joe Hoffman. They're playing. <laughs> it's right. like, I got to do that, man. I got to do right. that. Wow. What do you think? Do you, so, um, you know, the song by Ricky Nelson, Garden Party? Uh-huh. Yeah. So when you know, I mean, we all know what that's about, but basically, sure. like 
you know, do, do you have any kind of feeling towards whether or not the audience lets you change as an artist? Like, do, do you feel like they, you know, do you lean more towards, yeah, I'm going to play the hits because that's what they want? Or are you more like, I'm going to do a little bit of both. I'm going to mix it in. And if they don't like it, you know, that's okay because it's it's what my art is. Well, I've always felt, you know, that that I could play any of my songs, whether they're new or old, because I if, if they didn't resonate with me, then they weren't going to resonate with anybody. Right. And so, you know, I, I've always been one to to play enough of my new music. You know, I felt bad for Ricky. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really get to know him uh, like I would have really liked to have having such an influence. I met him at the Troubadour one time. Of course, I had, you know, uh, one of my uh, musician partners, you know, went on to be in, in his band at the Stone Canyon band at that time. But I really mm -hmm. felt bad. It's kind of like he reminds me of the story of David Cassidy. You know, when nobody would really allow him to be who he wanted to be, they had a picture of him. And so people had a, a little different story with Ricky Nelson, although he was a, one of the original teen idols. Mm -hmm, but, you yeah. know, when he wanted to break out of that, people wouldn't let him become, you know, the, the, the artist that was living inside of him that he wanted to be. You know, he was a manufactured guy. And, of course, you know, I mean, on my uh, In the Country record, I did uh, Lonesome Town as a tribute to, to Ricky Nelson. Yeah. And all, wow. but you know, I, I remember hanging out with David. I, I became friends with David Cassidy, you know, way back in the eighties. And, and he sang on a couple of my records and we became friends just at that transition time in his life when he wanted, you know, to people just to appreciate and respect him for a, for a, a musical artist, you know, yeah. rather than just a teen idol. And, and it weighs heavy on those guys, man. I know right. it weighs heavy on David and, and I, it would seem like a weight heavy on Ricky after reading, Gar I mean, listening to Garden Party, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it had to. And I always think of like that kind of comparison to like what people go through today with social media, because now there's even more of a connection between you and the audience. And I don't I don't know what the safe distance is supposed to be, you know? Yeah, I, I don't either. And and I just really look at it, you know, hey, here's what I do. If you like it, fine. If you don't like it, you know what? That's OK, too, because I, I, I have to be me and I have to do what I'm I'm, I'm comfortable with. And, and I still feel like I mean, recently, you know, whenever I go out and play. I know mm. people want to hear some of the songs that, that I mean, good feeling to know and and um, the picking up the pieces and and songs that I, I've been more or less, you know, associated with throughout my career. Kind woman and mm. all. But you know what? I will not ever shy away from playing, you know, a new song that I've just written. I And nice. the fact is, I have even done a bulk of them in uh, some of my last um, as last recordings because my from my uh, hand in hand album, I just really feel like there's so many of those songs that are so apropos for today. And yeah. yet they're they're they're. I remember when we were recording that, that that album, there was a guy across the hall and he kept coming over into our studio and said, man, I got to play on this. <laughs> you know, man, the, the guy was Keb Mo. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and, and he said, I got to play on this song. And I'm thinking, man, I got Dan Dugmore and Chris Lusinger, two of the greatest guitar players in the world on this yeah. song. How am I going to no, know? How am I not going to find a place for Keb Mo? On this right, right, right. He loved the song and I was honored to have him come into the studio and say, I want to play on this song, man. I love this song. So so I played some of these songs that, that I just feel like they're current, but I will always play and always want to play songs that I know people have come to hear. Right. Do you ever get the urge to tweak the songs that you uh, that you wrote years ago and maybe go, oh, man, I thought of a great additional line to it or maybe I could revamp it or do you kind of leave it alone? Yeah, I just leave it alone. That's good. Okay. What, it is, what, it is, what it is, what it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, there it is. 
I got you. That's a good title for a song. Um, <laughs> now I'm just throwing out suggestions like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I don't know if you've thought of this. Um, no, that's awesome, dude. I mean, I, I respect that in a way too, because I feel like even with the documentary, like you've got to go back through your life so much. And I'm wondering if you're the type of person who, who's, are you able to dive back into your past relatively easily or are you, is there some areas you don't like going to? Like, was it hard to, to go through? Absolutely. That? Absolutely. Uh, there's some that I have no problem at all with. There's an album uh, called From the Inside that Poco did that is real hard for me to play those songs. Uh, my wife and I, who have been married for 55 years now, oh, holy shit. but we uh, we did uh, separate twice at three years and at seven years. And one of those times was in the seven year period of time. And, and, and there was just issues that were going on in my life that uh, sometimes it's just hard to play. And I don't play some of those songs that are on that, on that particular uh, record, even though wow. Uh, I, I loved, you know, the fact that we got a chance to play. I mean, uh, it was Steve Cropper. He was doing his first that we were one of his first, I think, uh, groups to, uh, he, that he produced. Um, there's been some times in my life, you know, during that whole time, then, the, you know, as a time with SHF, when we did our second record, we recorded it nine miles from my hometown and Nancy, and I mean, from my house and Nancy and I were separated during that wow. seven year period of time. And Tommy Dowd was our producer, man. And I don't even remember the record hardly the second SHF oh. record. I mean, wow. it's just like wow. all this stuff, but, but as to your point, John, when, uh, you know, there's some songs that I just can't. I can't deal with. I mean, I, it's not that I don't think they're good songs, sure. but it's just I I can't. I, they take me back to a place that's too dark for me to even want to play with. That's right. that's amazing because I feel like music does that, right? Music. I say this a lot on the show, I think, but music's like smell. So like when it hits you, it'll bring you right to a moment. Oh, it does, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's great to know that coming from playing it, you have the same connection as if you're listening to something, which is amazing. Yeah. Right. That is pretty cool. Um, are you when you're doing that? When you were doing this documentary again, I mean, how much control do you have over that? It was your own life, you know what I mean? Yeah. But somebody else is doing it, you know what I mean? They're suggesting doing it. Is there certain control that you have to go like, okay, this part's out of my hands, that part's out of my hands, and I and I got to step back, or are you heavily involved? Well, I, I don't want it to be pretentious in any way. And so okay. when, when David and I and Denny, you know, we've talked about, you know, the, the the whole construction of this thing. We don't want it to be just, hey, here's another pat on the back. Congratulations to this guy. We got interviews from people that maybe I had some difficult times with or had difficult times with me and right. wanted them to be honest in their presentation of, you know, here's what was happening. And here was how my relationship with Richie was. And and, um, you know, so it, it's it's I want it to be honest. I want it to be true. I just don't want it to be another, you know, piece. Hey, yeah, pat on this guy. Who, who is this guy you're patting on the back anyway? You know? so right, right. Dive in <laughs> to the whole story. Yeah. And I think they've done a good job. And I've trusted, I have trusted David and Denny with the people that we've, that they've interviewed. I mean, everybody from people that I've played with to Clive Davis right now, you know? So, I mean, sure. People, yeah. It's been have, you, have you always been that guy though? Like, cause that's a very great place to be mentally. You know what I mean? To have, first of all, to have a documentary allowed to be done by you by somebody else, but then to also go, you know, okay, look, there's going to be some people that may have not had the same experience I did with them that they did with me. I'm okay with that. Did you get to that place at a certain point or were you always that guy? You know, I, I, who I am is who I am and who people think I am. You know, that's, that's them. And there are people today that I've been trying to get on this, on this project that, mm. that won't talk because they, they have some kind of, you know, thorn in their butt, you know, sure. what can I wow. say? <laughs> yeah. Well, just so you know, I am available. 
Okay. <laughs> Wait, let me write that down, David. We've only no, just met. Yeah. For the, uh, the Tom didn't agree, I mean, but Dad, yeah, I've only <laughs> yeah, showed up late, but I've only known you for 39 minutes. But I'm just saying, you know what? I'm around. And I feel bad because, you know, some of these people that I've had, you know, I mean, a couple of them, I mean, uh, two of my bandmates, you know, passed away in the last uh, couple of years. Right. And, and one of them, you know, was he was just like this and just would not he would not budge. And I don't even know why. Right. And the other one, you know, was we, we had a good relationship. But it, it's like I would have loved to have been able to have, you know, comments from this one guy, you know. And yeah. now we got to go back and search the Internet, you know, just to get conversation <laughs> and talk and all this. But there's another guy. You know that I to this day I, I have no idea, man, what is in this guy's crawl so much, you know, that he just won't um won't even talk and yeah, it's like I, I, I think I rub people the wrong way. I don't know. Really? I, I, yeah, I, can't, I can't see how I can't imagine that either. Yeah. But the but the other thing too is like uh -oh, I lost just, it. Oh, I'm in here. I'm good. Oh, yep. oh, I'm good. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, I can't imagine that either, but like you know, um, it, it, doing this kind of thing, I'm a very like I like to resolve a thing, and I like to do it Me quickly. Too. Yeah, and and I I don't know if you're the same way too, but like even like you know, I very rarely like have like even like an ex that I don't speak. Like we usually, you know, I'm usually wind up being friends with people. But when I when a friend when I have to like cut off a friend or everything like that, it's almost like a death. I don't mm -hmm. like that that disconnect between me and somebody because also I feel like. When you meet somebody and you know them over a period of time, those people have some kind of ownership over a piece of your life. They know you yeah. in a way that not everybody else is going to. Yeah. So when you don't, when you lose that connection, you're like, oh man, like it's it's a weird thing. You almost lose a piece well, of yourself. Yeah, well, you do, and and it's like you know when this one guy was doing a concert back in New Jersey, and actually David approached him. David Stone approached him, and, and you know the line was, well, "I'll never work with him again." And it's like, well, when that came back to me, I got I'm like you, John, I want to resolve this right now. What's the deal, man? I got right on the phone and I called this person and never got a hold of him. Called oh, and texted him, never got a response. Uh, in, emailed him, never got a response. Finally called one of the, you know, I called the home, I called the cell phone, I called everything, you know. Finally got a hold of the person's wife and she said, I'll try to get him to give you a call. Never, never came. That's a bummer. That would drive me crazy, dude. That really I really would. But at least now you know you got some peace of mind. You tried. I did what I, did what I could do because you know what I don't want to. I don't want to leave this place like that. You know, I mean, I want it, to. It's not, uh, not 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 when it's again someone that you've poured your life and your creativity mm -hmm. into. You know, I mean, I I, I look at uh, I look at being in a in a musical band, and I've been in in several really good ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, with these people that. Um, uh, if somebody leaves the band, you know, it's like a marriage breakup, you know? Yeah. And I think I've lost a lot of Poco fans when I decided that I had to leave the band for one reason or another. Had nothing to do with the people I was playing music with. It had to do with me yeah. being driven at such a point in time that I, I, I was after I was after something that I didn't feel was going to ever, you know, come yeah. through um, through that relationship that I had with Poco. And so I left. And I think that really left a lot of Poco fans, um, you know, with a bitter taste in their mouth, you know. Right. But, and and I don't know what there's nothing I can do about that because these are people that I can't even be in touch with. But the sure. people I played music with that would feel that way. And there's, yeah. um, you know, the one I just spoke about. And then there's one other one in particular, you know, well, there's actually two, um, uh, you know, 
it's like I, I don't understand it. I don't get it, you know, and why don't you let me know, you know? What's yeah. Going? But, you know, it's yeah. funny that you describe it as a marriage because it is kind of like that. But people don't realize that that is the one of the most that's like a responsible thing to do. If you're leaning in another direction, first of all, you owe it to yourself to explore it because otherwise you're just going to be miserable and you're right. not going to have your heart and soul into the thing you're already working on to begin with. And it mm. kind of works that way. Well, I guess a marriage, too, because if you're not happy, man, you know, there's no point in lying to yourself and who you're with. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, in a marriage, you know, I mean, you want to work it out. I mean, that's what with my wife and I, with Nancy and I, you know, we we worked it out. Yeah. yeah. And and it was it, 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 I won't say it was easy. You know, I didn't like turning on a light switch. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, hey, here, everything's cool. Blue skies, green lights and top down <laughs> weather, man. You got to you got to work on it. You got to be willing to work on it. And both parties have to be able to work on it. And, you know, with the group situation, I, I was. I was really so caught up in that man that I just didn't, I mean, I, I just, I, I was, it was more, it wasn't all about the music. Now it was about success, naming right. money, money, this and mm. that and the other hits, you know, hearing your record on the AM radio, you know, and all that. Yeah. Other stuff. And, yeah. and it was, it, it, it was, uh, it, it was a very challenging time in my life to say the least. Sure. Do you, do, do, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to ask, did it feel like you were driven because you were driven like towards the success of it? Or was it almost like, is it almost like a drug? Like once you have the hit, you want to get that next hit and you want to get that other feeling of like, was that. Okay. Well, I didn't have that problem. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not saying drugs. <laughs> the, but, problem but, like, that I, the problem that I did had was striving and looking at, I was looking at basically all of my friends, Steven yeah. and Neil and Messina and, and, uh, and, and Randy Meisner, you know, all of them, you know, going on to these other places of, of, of really uh, significant rock and roll success. And you get to thinking in your mind, well, Hmm, what about me? You know? Yeah. And, and, and so when, when we recorded good feeling to know, we thought, and everybody did, cause we were looking for a producer at that time that was going to take Poco maybe to another place. And we got, you know, my, my first choice was Richie Potler. I don't know if you know who Richie Potler, he was he, uh, three dog night and Steppenwolf. And oh. yeah, I mean, he recorded all those. So Richie just passed away, but a great producer. He actually produced the first Souther Hillman Fure record. But uh, when we wanted to get him, Columbia turned us down and said, no, we can't. he wasn't on there. He wasn't one of their, their, their in-house producer guys, you know, when this was when Jimmy had moved on. And right. so we got Jack Richardson, great producer, guess who? And, you know, but had a, had a track record of hit records, you know, mm -hmm. and what good feeling to know failed to hit the charts, you know, basically and become that hit that was going to take us to another place and take it easy is the first out, first song out of the box for the Eagles. Right. You know? And yep. it's like, Okay, it's never going to happen, and that's what that was one. That was the thing that precipitated me leaving Poco. But I had no idea, man, the things that were in the background of my life that just—I mean, my wife and I were about ready to break up, and I didn't even have a clue. Wow, so many other things, and people—I uh, I love it, man. When some of these these fans get on their little pages and they get talk, man, and pontificate, and they. <laughs> don't have a clue right what's going on in a person's mind heart and situation at the time but boy they've got it all they've got it all you know oh my yeah. god yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of crazy, man. I, I, I see all that stuff all the time, too, and I find it so funny. And even, like, close friends and stuff like that will have their little theories about people who are in it. And sometimes it's about people I know, yeah. you know, in the business or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, man, you have no fuck. Like you just say, yeah. you have no fucking idea. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't even know what that is. I don't know if it's boredom or whatever well, it is to make stories <clears throat> about I don't, your I don't. Yeah, they don't have anything else to do. But you know, with me, I mean, I, I, I just wanted – I wanted that success. And I got to a place where, yeah. man, I was closed in, I was boxed in. And that's all that I saw, man. I just want, I mean, yeah. that's all I wanted. And, and then, you know, what was really interesting, man, was I had this crisis in my life where my wife and I, you know, separated and, you know, she had become a Christian and, yeah. uh, and, and, and she wanted out of this marriage right now, man. And, and the Lord got a hold of my life around the same time and, and pulled the rug out from under me, basically saying, okay, now what do you want? You want your name written in lights at Carnegie Hall or you want your family? What do you right. want? You know, and yeah. I, had to make, I had to make a big, big decision that, I mean, see, there were the things that people had no idea because I didn't have an idea. But they can right. sure pontificate a lot about, you know, yeah. What, yeah. why he left Foco. Well, but da 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 da. You know, sure. like I say, it wasn't about the band. It was, it was just about other outside things, you know. So that would have been crazy if the interview just took a turn and you were like, and the Lord said to me, you know, my family or name and lights. So I'm yeah. at Carnegie Hall, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's like. Oh my well, God. I played there twice, you know. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you already <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you, God. I uh, <laughs> already been there. No, the joke's never on him, man. <laughs> that's he's, true, pretty, that's uh, true. he's pretty straightforward. That, we actually, that was a question that came from uh, the more asked. He said, uh, What inspired Richie to be a preacher? You know, um, when, when my life was really being turned upside down, and I, I really had to make that choice on my on my um, uh, family or, or my career, um, Al Perkins, the guy that I didn't want in Souther Hillman Fure because he had a Jesus sticker on his guitar, said, <laughs> Jesus is Lord. And I told Chris Hillman, I said, no, man, I don't want this guy in my band. You know, it's, he's going to stop us from becoming uh, rock and roll stars or whatever, you know. And uh, as things turned out, you know, Al led me to the Lord. And basically a lot of friends that I became uh, close to at that time were all pastors or part of a group of, of, of at this church in California, Calvary Chapel. And that's where my life began to, to, to really change. I had no idea if somebody was going to tell me, you know, in the midst of rock and roll that I'm going to become a Christian. Well, I said, you're crazy. And then if they would have said, you, and you're going to be a pastor of a church, I'd have said, now I know you're crazy. <laughs> you know? And I had no idea. But but when my all my friends are, and all, these friends that I had out in California that are, they're pastoring, a lot of them are pastoring very, very, very successful churches. Um, you know, they always told me, man, you stay focused on what, what you're to do. You know, you're a musician at heart and you should be, they, they never once said, put that behind you and stop doing that. They all said, you know, you got to go for it. But at one point in time, it just seemed like, you know, the Lord was just leading me to pastor a church and we just started a little home Bible study. And that home Bible study then turned into a church, you know, that I pastored for 35 years. Wow. Wow. That's awesome, man. And do you, do you have any, do you, do you incorporate what you learned like in your time, like, you know, on the road and stuff like that? And do you kind of weave it into your experiences as a preacher? Oh, sure. When, when they come up and, you know, like, like our style of Calvary Chapel was always to, to go from book to book 
verse by, verse by verse, you know, so you don't just skip around here and here and here and talk about things that you want to talk about and things that are easy. No, if you start talking about something, something may be very uncomfortable to start talking about. Mm-hmm. And I had to talk about some of those things. And 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 if they're what, life experiences, you know, I mean, that's what it's all about. If it's not about life experiences, you know, then we're not really talking about real life. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Those, those, things, those things do come into um um, you know, when I was, when I was pastoring for 35 years, they, obviously they came into, into play. Fact nice. is, I just did, I just shared at our church, the church we're going to right now. Um, cause I did retire from the pulpit ministry in 2017. You never retire from the ministry. You just mm. don't, you know, right. but, um, um, I just shared at the church, uh, yesterday, the pastor asked me if I'd like to, you know, cause I, so I still step in, but basically at one point in time, I came down with Bell's palsy in 2017, right around Christmas time. And I'm sitting at the breakfast table with my, with my wife. We're downtown doing Christmas shopping, you know, and, and she, are you okay? I said, I think so. What's wrong? She says, well, it's like the whole left side of your face is drooping, you know, (laughs) We went right over to the doctor, you know, and the next thing you know, they're giving me an MRI and checking me out for all this other stuff. But I was like, I think I was in my, you know, 75 or something like that at the time. And I just thought, you know, Nancy, you and I, you know what? We've been doing this forever and everything that we do is for somebody else. Right. You know, I mean, whether I'm writing songs or whether I'm preaching at a church, you know, it was basically to give, to give, to give. And it was time, man, we need to give to our relationship right now. And so that's why I retired in 2017 from the pulpit ministry, because I was tied down. I was fortunate to be able to have guys that could get off of work for a two week period of time when I was during, during this 35 years time, you know, to like when I thought, okay, it's okay to go out and do music again, you know, and and to have, to have a band that I felt was, you know, sufficient to go out and and do this stuff. But everything was give, give, give. And Nancy and I finally just decided, you know, how, you know, man, we don't know when something crazy is going to happen, you know, and um, it, it might be, who knows? It could be a car accident. It could be, you know, a serious illness, you know, sure. but let's, let's, let's start to, at least right now while we're still up and mobile and doing things, you know, we're not being pushed around in our car. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that we can, that, that we just decided to, you know, maybe put a little more time into, into ourselves and this relationship nice. that's been going on for 55 years. <laughs> yeah. You deserve yeah. it, man. That's awesome. Um, I got to ask you the last three questions that we ask every guest on the show. Uh-oh. Uh, so uh, first one, bit of a softball one, but it's still a good one. Uh, if you go back in time and talk to your younger self, <laughs> what piece of advice would you give yourself to help you today? Oh, gosh. You know, it, that's a that's a crazy. I mean, it's an interesting question. But, mm. you know, with me, I never planned any of this. Mm. It all just kind of popped up. And I just then there was something that just nudged me to move here, to move there, to go to New York from Yellow Springs, Ohio, a town of 2,500 people, wow. you know? And, and I, I don't know, I guess, I guess I would just say, you know, if, if, if you, if you feel that there's, there, that there's something moving you, then, you know, search it out and find out what it is. May not be what you think it is, but you know, when I left for New York to be a folk singer, I mean, we got there at the end of the day 
and folk music was over, but it turned into a friendship with a guy, you know, that we started a very significant rock and roll band in. I had no idea. Sure. And I had no idea that I was going to be a pastor of a church. It was something that was so off, man, that I would have truly said, man, you're crazy, you know? <laughs> so all of a sudden, you know, when, you, when you're young and you get these, you, you get these feelings that, man, hey, I, I'm search it out. Check it out. See what's going on. You know, take a step. And if it's wrong, maybe, you know, if you're smart enough, you'll figure out well, that was not the right move. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love that, man. Uh, second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? What had to end in my life? I think what had to end in my life was the fact of being driven to something. Hmm. And I, I had to be able to come to grips with, you know what, Stephen and Neil are different people. Jimmy Messina is a different person. I'm a person that I have to, you know, and I can't be trying. I mean, even looking at some of my pastor friends, you know, I have pastors out there in California and around the, the country, man, that are pastoring churches of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And our church, you know, when it was big, it was like 250, 300 people, you know, and, and not try to compare yourself with someone. But I had to stop that kind of stuff in my life and just, okay, you know what? I'm good. Everything's okay. Nice. I like that perspective, yeah. man. Um, and then the last question is kind of goofy and tied into the show, but if you, is this was a genuine dystopia more so than it's been, uh, and either you could choose either a uh, government collapse, aliens, zombies, a comet heading toward the earth, climate change, but you wake up and it's everybody's last day on earth. What would be your epic death? How would you want to go out? Man, I say, I hope you know Jesus. <laughs> because That's there's great. a new world coming. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And what would be happening? Would it be an alien? How would you want? What would be going on? Well, I tell you what, when it's happening, I don't think it's going to be a surprise. I'm Well, it might be a surprise. You know, you got me going now, man, because there's a thing in the Bible, you know, that we talk about called the rapture. Oh, the rapture. That's right. a lot of people, man, that are going to be like disappearing. Let me you ask know? you this. And, and I think, you know, let me ask you this about the rapture. When they take you, is it naked or clothed? Do you get to leave? Do like, do I get to leave with this jacket? I think you'll leave that all behind. Oh, I, I think I think that jacket will be left. I think that'll be here, man, left behind. And <laughs> I wouldn't want. I would. I wouldn't want to be one to become as nice a jacket as you got. <laughs> I, I would say, whoa, there's something happening here. <laughs> man, ain't exactly clear, but. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You guys have been great, man. And so thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Talk we'll definitely talk again. Have a great one. See Peace. ya. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Yep. Bye.